Alright, hello there everybody. Welcome to the Wilds of Reality, our very first episode. My name is JD, I'll be your host from the Wilds of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, with me from the waterfront of Southern California, LA, is my co-host Justin. Hello, hello. Uh, he's going to be coming in over Skype because there's a long distance between us and being in the same room is not possible to happen. Uh, so, this being our first episode... Uh, just a little reference for everybody. It was just announced here a little bit ago that we lost uh, Marvel Comics Man of the Year and for eternity, probably, Stan Lee. Uh, sad day for everybody. Uh, but other than that, how are things going on your end, buddy? Uh, pretty good. Cold at night. Hot during the day. Yeah. So Usual Southern right. California. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a beautiful, balmy, like twenty degrees here. So, as you know, winter time has come upon us, even though it skipped fall. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna go ahead, and we've got a story to start off the day with. So uh, I'll give it over to you, there, buddy, and let you tell your story, and then we'll uh, go on and start discussion from there. All right. Well, this is a friend of mine. Um, he was just telling me about this stuff. This was back in the mid to late nineties. I can't remember the exact date, but, uh, they have a, uh, a cabin they used to go to with, uh, friends and family, um, up in Northern California, you know, way up there in the redwoods and everything like that. Uh, you know, they usually go up there once or twice a year for about a week or two, sometimes as long as a month, but they'll go up there to hunt, hang out, do like, this is like middle of the woods, you know? you know, BFE, but, um, so, you know, uh, there's, he was telling me about this, uh, you know, cause they'll come across a bunch of random weird stuff here and there, but there was one time, uh, they were just out and, you know, generally, especially if you go out hunting a lot, you'll know when something's following you. So yeah, you know, so they'll, they were getting that feeling. Some basically was just, uh, following them through the trees. The other thing that's like, okay, well, it's a little late in the year for a bear. They're generally hibernating around here now. And things like that. And so they're thinking, okay, it might be a mountain lion or whatever like that. You, you're hearing like branches snapping, you know. So they're like, okay, it can't really be a mountain lion. They're generally not that noisy. And this sounds big. So they're like, okay, maybe it is a bear. Maybe it just it's just a late sleeper or <laughs> whatnot. So anyway, uh, they're just uh, doing their normal track. They usually walk around with rifles and pistols, you know, because they'll if they come across the deer or pheasant and whatnot, they'll shoot them. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, they make it back to their cabin, you know, late at night, they have all their weapons strewn out cause they're cleaning them and everything like that. And, um, this is just your standard log cottage cabin, uh, generally, you know, one big main room kind of high vaulted ceilings. And so, but there was like an upper draft window he was telling me it's about maybe eight foot off the floor. Um, you know, j just, uh, airflow type deal. So he was just saying, like, it was late at night, and uh, as they're just sitting there chatting, uh, whatnot, they hear this loud, piercing scream, like, roar-type deal coming down at them through the window. Not, like, up into the window, but, like, something was standing over the window and yelling down at them. And uh, he says that was the quickest they ever got their uh, weapons assembled, and they all ran out, and uh, there was nothing outside. And he was telling me that, um, like, this war is like what you would hear on those documentaries where, you know, Bigfoot or whatnot, Sasquatch, where you would hear this roar, like, 
three ridges over that would echo through the things is like it sounded exactly similar and uh the as he said is this generally falls in line with a lot of the weird stuff that they would see up there and a lot of the weird stuff that you hear so yeah nothing super special but just a lot of the weirdness like uh can't really get that uh up there now because a lot of the forest has been cleared out due to the whole um pot farming up there so a lot of that area is just gone so the cabin's still there but you generally don't want to it's like more you got to worry about more of the meth heads up there now and all the all the junkies instead of uh random stuff in the forest yeah that's kind of a bummer that that's happening out there but I mean, mm. it's it's interesting to, you know, hear this kind of stuff. And you have to wonder, like, did they ever, like, take it to, like, BFRO? Or I know there's, like, a California Bigfoot Hunters organization and stuff like that. But did they, like, talk to them about it or anything? Um, They might. I didn't ask them. Uh, I can uh, expound on that later. I can talk to them. But um, so, but no, yeah, because he said he uh, they came across, like, a lot of weird stuff, um, especially up on, like, because they live up in the mountains around Arrowhead and Big Bear. Of course, that area is all populated nowadays. But, uh, yeah, it's, so he's got, he's come across a lot of stuff. I'm pretty sure he's brought it up somewhere. I'll have to ask. Well, you know, and that, that kind of brings to that point of, you know, back in, when everything's wooded and forested and, you know, hunter's cabins, and you hear a lot of reports for anything like Sasquatch related or even Dogman stories actually end up coming down the pipe from uh, hunters of all things. Um, and uh, I, I personally, I think this has to do with, you know, these guys spend a lot of time in the woods. They know what they're seeing. They know what they're not seeing. But for the most part, if you're out hunting, uh, if you're ambush hunting, as I would refer to it, as you're sitting somewhere waiting for the animal to come down the game trail or whatever, uh, you're not making a lot of noise, you're not moving, and everything just gets used to you being there. So you get ignored until all of a sudden something stumbles out that didn't expect you to be there. Yeah, pretty much. Um, happens a lot. Like Generally, you know, these, you know, animals do have that sixth sense where they know when something's there, but I've surprised deer uh quite a few time actually say it's kind of funny to watch really <laughs> well and this is the thing um not to bash on like any of the guys that go out there and do these like expeditions like on youtube and stuff like that um but a lot of these people walk down game trails and stuff like that and my personal opinion is is that you'll never find you know, a predator type animal such as a Sasquatch or anything else walking down a game trail because predators don't generally go down the game trail. If you get off the trail and you go uphill a little bit from a trail, you're going to find what I like to term as the predator trail. It's not clearly as defined as the prey trail, you know, the, the game trail, but it's a trail that all the predators that are stalking and following the predator or the prey, the deer, elk, moose, whatever, uh, that's it's going to be, they're going to be on that trail following behind them, watching them slowly, uh, waiting for a good spot to ambush them, which is how a lot of people end up getting attacked by mountain lions and stuff. They uh, yeah. don't, they don't look uphill because everyone always looks downhill because all the pretty cool stuff and deer actually do the same thing. You can sneak up from behind them on the uphill side and usually get within five foot of a deer. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, if you want to find a predator trail, it's usually, about 20 30 yards uphill or off to the side 
uh, you know, ghosting about almost parallel with the game trail. Yeah. And it's not going to, you know, in many cases, it's not as clearly defined as the game trail, but you'll definitely find it. Uh, and especially if you spend a lot of time in the mountains, you're, you're going to know this way. You'll see, you know, a, a faint trail all of a sudden intersects with the trail you're following. And that's usually the predator trail crossing the prey trail. And that's usually where the ambush point is. So the, uh, the, the other thing, especially when it comes to the ambush style, which is basically laying, laying a trap, waiting for the prey to come to you. Um, it requires that, you know, nothing in the environment is different. Everything's a pretty stable thing. So like in that monster quest episode, uh, Sasquatch attacks, there's the cabin that's been there for however many years. Well, everything's used to it. So when they show up and they're, you know, hiding in the cabin, all of a sudden they've changed and now something comes out to confront them about it. Um, and I think that's where a lot of, like, uh, these videos where people are in cabins or uh, there's a couple of videos of people like on the Appalachian Trail, like in the trail huts, getting, you know, things thrown at them and noises and all this stuff. And uh, yeah. the big the big thing I've noticed is, is, you know, it very much always comes from the uphill side. So I'd be willing to bet that it, you know, the Sasquatch out there or whatever would definitely be following the predator trail, not the game trail. So I think, uh, especially when you see all these people who put trail cams up looking for Sasquatch, they always do it on the prey trail, the game trail, yeah. instead of the predator trail. Well, even then, when I look at it, like a lot of those uh, cams that they set up are on fire roads. You know, those aren't even, you know, uh, game trails. <laughs> They're just well, random paths that people use to hike. Well, in the fire roads, what's interesting about it is, is yes, there are have been several instances of footprints being spotted on the fire trail but they're not like walking down it they're usually going across it yeah um so yeah i know it's just yeah when they put up their trail cams they, they yeah they either put it on the prairie trails or just put them on regular hiking paths and it's just it's like I mean, uh no you're really yeah it's like it's a one in a million chance to catch anything on that so yeah yeah you really got to pay attention to um and we've talked about this before uh not on podcast, but just between ourselves of if you're going to do a proper, you know, expedition, if you will, to go search for a Sasquatch or something, you'd really want to go. And it, it sounds funny to find the perfect area for this, but you're going to want to find a place that's going to have a reliable water source. So like in, if you're doing it in say Northern California, uh, you know, you go to the Klamath river area or some of these other areas that are freshwater, whether it's streams, rivers, whatever, then you're going to want to find a spot that's got a nice slow down area because that's usually where like all the deer and the elk are going to want to come drink out of. They're not going to go drink out of like the fast raging torrent part of the river. So then you're going to want to, you know, set up something, whether it's like tree stands or whatever. But at the same time, you're going to want to find that game trail and then go and I'm not saying walk off trail, get lost, you know, take somebody who knows how to navigate the woods but go off, get to that prey or the predator trail. And that's where you'd probably want to start setting up everything, whether it's your trail cams, uh, tree blinds, whatever, even maybe like a lean to or something to make a base of operations, you know, not on the trail itself, but a little bit ways above it. So that way, 
you can observe the predators and hopefully not get spotted with them. You're, you know, like you would yeah. if you were sitting down on the the game trail. Um, sure. You know, it to me, I I guess that's where, like, I have uh, one of my uncles. He was very much a hop out of the jeep with his rifle and I'm gonna go hunting by walking 10 miles this direction kind of guy. And there's nothing wrong with the spotting and stalking if you're doing it like you're the predator. But a lot of these people, you know, you watch their thing on YouTube or they, you know, oh, it's on Discovery Channel or what? There's Travel Channel's got some. Uh, even like Animal Planet has some of these where you see them and they just bebop down a trail and you're like, you're walking down the game trail. You're never going to see anything until it tries to eat you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um. No, yeah, that's, uh, it's like I, I've been stalked by panthers in North Carolina. It's a pretty weird feeling. <laughs> uh, it is. And um, I've had a lot of friends because I was raised this way uh, to look uphill when walking or hiking down a trail. Um and a lot of people like look at me like I'm crazy when I'm doing it. They're like, man, there's the river or the pond down there. Why aren't you checking that out, looking to see if there's stuff down there? And I'm like, well, because if something's going to try to eat me, it's going to come from uphill. Yeah, they're the red barons of the animal world. Yeah. Come from the sun. They come out of the <laughs> sky and, you know, yum, yum, yum. Next thing you know, you're uh, some either mountain lion food or bear food or for all we know, I mean, if you go off like David Politis missing 411, maybe some of these people are getting grabbed off the game trip or uh, grabbed by, you yeah. know, whether it's Sasquatch or something or Wolfman or whatever you want to call it is out Man, there grabbing pig. these things. Yeah. Man, bear pig. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was always raised to, you know, look uphill because that's where the threats are. And, you know, for those of us who spend a lot of time in the woods anyway, we have a very, um, I guess you that sixth sense that you know when you're being watched, you know when you're being followed, something's there, and you you listen and there's no sound out there, but the sound of your own heartbeat, you know, type moment, and your own breathing, and you just sit there and it's too quiet, you start looking around, and you start watching uphill, and, you know, I've come across, you know, all sorts of stuff out in the woods, like, I've watched uh, uh, mountain lions when I was in California, you know, just happened to look up and there was a mountain lion bebopping along the hill. Yeah. Um, you know, I've sat and I've watched bears come down out of the hill. You know, been on, you know, backcountry hiking. Felt weird. You know, something was watching me or whatever. Got myself in a little hidden hidey hole spot and watched a bear come down to the river. So, you, you when you're out there, you know this thing. You have that feeling. And I think it's, you know, if you spend a lot of time in the cities, you may have a version of it for the city. Um, like, you know, people always talk about, oh, well, I felt like somebody was stalking me or something. And I feel there's yeah. that feeling when you're in the city. But I think the woods gives you that more, there's a lot more to that feeling. You know, the dead yeah. silent, all the birds stop. Uh, you know, the, the crickets, the bugs, everything stops and it's just too quiet. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's quiet, too quiet. Too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah get down charlie's in the woods you know <laughs> that you know that that super feeling you get when you're doing it and I, I i personally think that's kind of funny but it's true you get these feelings and when you're in the woods the biggest thing you can do is trust your instincts um 
in the sh- in the cities we are um the biggest baddest mother on the block if you will you know that's our domain we rule the roost but you walk into the woods you're no longer the big bad guy on the block you're just another food source yeah you in so, the predator's house now yeah yeah you in the wrong neighborhood <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing is basically how to put it um yeah so. And I, I feel that way with Sasquatch. Like All these people are like, well, I went into the woods and all I found was footprints. Or I've been going out here for decades and I've never seen anything. And then you talk to the guy who's like, well, I'm a hunter. I hunt these woods every year and I have seen some stuff that you would not believe. Um, yeah. And my grandfather um, for decades had a gold claim. And from the end of spring until the first snow, he'd be up in the mountains at the gold claim. And it wasn't until, like, I came back from the Navy and I was talking about something and he goes, well, you know, uh, the University of Wyoming did research on Bigfoot. And coming from my grandfather, who was an aircraft mechanic and seemed like the most sensible, no-nonsense kind of guy to say, well, hey, they did this. And it included me that, wait a minute, this guy who spends months alone in the woods in a camper panning for gold and stuff is researching Bigfoot. What does that say? Because <laughs> that kind of makes me go, wait a minute, this very sensible person who wouldn't talk about it was researching Bigfoot on the back end. So there had to be something going on up there. And, you know, I've spent years of my life up there with him. I can't honestly say I've ever seen anything apart from mountain lions, bears, and coyotes, and cows. But... Yeah. It, it makes what? you wonder when he was, you know, he's this, you know, he was like a first sergeant in the Air Force and all this stuff. So he's kind of a crusty guy. And for him to bring that up in like regular conversation was very strange to me and kind of intriguing at the same time. Like, why was he researching this if he, you know, maybe on the backside, he believed there was something there or he saw something. Yeah. Well, I think it also goes with, especially if you spend a lot of, like, especially him like that, like a lot of time out in the woods, you know what, you know, what areas feel like, you know, what kind to expect. And when something's out of the ordinary, you know, it's okay, something's off. So, you know, especially when you come around, uh, like something that makes your hair stand on end, uh, like, um, and everything you say, and then you hear stories like, okay, you know, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, well, same thing, obviously. Man, bear, pig, whatever. Uh, this is like that. It makes you think. It's, it's the, like okay, it's the I, chupa thingy, Griff. Yeah, the, yeah, the chupa thingy. So, but uh, you know, so when you hear stories like that, and and you apply that to like, okay, well, I came across something. I have no idea what this was, and uh, nothing I can do to explain it. You start to say, okay, maybe there is something. <laughs> Well, and that, that's where I've always kind of sat is with the hunters and any of us who have spent any amount of time in the woods, we know what we're looking at or what we're looking for. I mean, I've, I was raised to track down, check out tracks, check for bear, check for, you know, mountain lion, to look at all this stuff, to follow. I can honestly follow a deer trail for miles with, you know, without even having shot the deer, I can follow its trail. You know, that's mm-hmm. how I was, you know, you're raised when you're in a hunting family, how to track animals and stuff like that. So, you know what you're looking at. You can tell, you know, prints, you can tell, oh, well, that's a bear. I can see it from here. Or, 
oh, that's a mountain lion. That's cool. Or, hey, that's a bobcat. That ain't nothing. But if you're sitting there and all of a sudden something huge and big comes storming through the woods, runs past you while you're sitting there with your rifle and you're trying not to, you know, make your brown, you know, take your pants to being brown, um, you're going to know that, hey, this isn't something I normally see. You're going to call it out and go, okay, I just saw something. It's not what's out here normally. What is this? And that's where I sit when, you know, people go, oh, well, there's no such thing then what are all these people seeing? I mean, uh, I've had a chance to sit down with, you know, some Bigfoot writers before, and I've talked to them, and I go, you know, well, hey, what do you think of the odds of this? Or uh, what was it? I brought up talking about Dogman um, to one of them, and he goes, I don't 100% agree that there is a Dogman, but I'm willing to accept that there's chances it could be out there. Um especially because there's stories of like tribes of dog headed men that go all the way back to like Roman times. Yeah. So it's a new, it's Anubis warriors. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's the Anubis <laughs> warriors. Somebody's uh, bringing the, uh, the scorpion, scorpion king. king. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I can honestly sit there and go, can you, and I have, you know, one of our good friends is a lawyer and she goes, well, eyewitnesses don't mean anything. Because, yeah, some guy could walk in and rob a store and you're going to get four different descriptions from him. And I go, well, that's taking it to the extreme. If you're saying, you know, at the same token, we'll go, well, guys that are trained in observation skills obviously know what they're talking about and make great eyewitnesses. But Billy Bob here, who's buying a pack of camels at the grocery store, saw some guy run in and rob the store. And he goes, well, he was wearing a ski mask. I couldn't tell you what he looked like. Well, all of a sudden, he's not a great witness. But yeah. you take Billy Bob out into the woods with his shotgun, and he'll be like, oh, man, look at that bear, you know? You'll be like, what bear? And he'll be like, oh, that thing hiding behind the tree over there. Holy <laughs> crap, there is a bear, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a matter of perspective on what you're taking for observational skills and eyewitnesses to certain things. Can you always trust the dudes coming out and saying, well, yeah, I saw Bigfoot and I dumped a magazine of 45 into it. And it just looked at me and went, yeah, whatever, and left. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if I'd believe that. I'd be like, well, that's a heck of a story. Um, I, mm. I'll take your word for it, but I, I don't buy it. You know, yeah, I'm not no, going to. No. Um, that, yeah, that, that that's, yeah. that's along <laughs> the probability of me sitting out hiking a trail and having a ham and cheese sandwich out on the trail and Bigfoot walking out, looking at me, like waving its hand, going, give me the damn sandwich. Um, <laughs> it's just oh, not no, going to happen. I mean, oh, it no, might. It's like um... that, that, uh, that jerky commercial. You know, the guy walks up to a bear and like uh, Kung Fu fights the bear for the jerky. <laughs> oh, that, that, that salmon commercial. Yeah, that, yeah, that smoked salmon, salmon yeah. commercial. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I mean, it was. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was smoked salmon. Yeah, that that's just... I don't find it probable. Now, given that, yes, from a view, standing viewpoint, I would believe that a Sasquatch, w- Sasquatch, Sasquatch um, would Sasquatch. be a Sasquatch, uh, would be an omnivore, much like us. You know, it's not going to be a vegetarian. It's not going to come out of the woods and tell you that eating that ham sandwich is so bad for the environment. Um, hippie but squatch. on the same, it's the hippie squatch. Uh, but on the same context, it's, you know, it's not going to sit there and only eat meat. I mean, we have we see this in nature. 
even uh, bears, which are a very much predatory animal, will sit down and eat a thing of berries, you know? Oh, yeah. No, so, hell, uh, I think bears eat more fruits than meat, really. Depends on uh, what area they're in. Um, True. Especially uh, Rocky Mountain bears, uh, especially black bears here and grizzlies, are very much berries. Uh, huckleberries, blackberries, blueberries, raspberries, whatever they can get out here, mm. depending on the area. Up uh, by uh, Yellowstone and stuff like that, it's a lot of huckleberry, mm. which, you know, makes them taste decently all right. Huckleberry uh, picnic baskets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Up there getting uh, some Starbucks coffee while waiting in line for their picnic baskets or whatever. <laughs> but you got to ask yourself at the end of the day, what makes you think that we have explored the woods and what makes you think that just because you went into the woods one time makes you think you've seen everything? Mm. Oh, yeah, no, I... Well... Me being in the grand area of L.A., uh, <laughs> there, <laughs> you, you can no. tell I'm not a city boy. But uh, it's uh, I haven't been in the woods for a long time. But uh, as much as I used to be in, I still know I have not seen everything. I, I'm not even scratched the surface of seeing everything. I I wouldn't even begin to pretend that I've seen everything. Yeah. Um, you know. As as the saying goes, all I know is that I don't know anything. Um, to believe that, oh yeah, well, I walked into the woods, and because I hiked 10 miles out here, I can tell you there's nothing out here. Well, for all you know, you walked past something and didn't even see it, and it just looked at you like, well, that guy's an idiot, and kept walking, you know? <laughs> um, and I have no doubt that's happened, you know, a couple hundred times, these Bigfoot researchers um, are out traipsing around and Bigfoot's just sitting there watching them. Wow, those guys are dumb. I should eat that yeah. guy in the back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that goes to the thing. It's like with some of them, um, actually, I've seen a lot of them. That they, yeah, they would do that Yelp call. What is the point behind that? Well, like, that's... Like they're trying to like attract attention. Well, here's the thing is when it comes to great apes, Great apes in Africa, they use vocalizations to set territory and communicate. Mm -hmm. um, they also, you know, this, they break the branches and all this other stuff and move trees, which if you go through any of the stuff for Bigfoot lore is all a part of the Bigfoot lore. Yeah, it's yeah. very much a part of that. branches and things like that, yeah. But, and this is actually where, like, the University of Wyoming researched on this was vocalizations and mm. they compared vocalizations i don't remember which ones they got uh they compared it to a whole bunch of other primates and other animals and they could not find a match for it anywhere yeah so that being stated it makes you go okay well if it's not a match to any known animal it's got to be something that we won't acknowledge exists or it exists most people have acknowledged it but nobody's willing to stand up and say anything until they have the hard proof. And then that's where you fall into that whole, well, how come we never find bodies? Well, I can tell you, I've spent a lot of time in the woods and I've never come across a bear skeleton. Um, oh, yeah. Come across deer. I've never come across a mountain lion skeleton. Um, yeah. I've never, any predator I've never come across basically out in the woods, unless yeah. I've shot it like a coyote or something. 
Yeah, no, I've came across um, a half-decomposed bobcat once, but, uh, you know, that it was kind of like in an odd, weird little place. So, yeah, but no, yeah, not... it's like, yeah, it's you're not going to, especially predators, you're not going to find their skeletons. Yeah, they're so. exceptionally hard to find. And even, um, you know, they've done the how fast can a body deteriorate out in the woods? And it's like, yeah, within a week, you're, it's almost gone. Yeah. You know, so expecting to find, you know, this unless you go out and actually and there's parties on both sides of this fence where it's, yeah, if we see it, let's shoot it and get it proved. And there's the other people who are going, well, no, we don't need to provide a body to prove it exists. We've got, you know, trail markings and video and sounds and all this. And mm. to be honest, I think everybody in the community is well aware that it's going to take a body to show up for science to go. Yep, that's definitely uh, a real thing. Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's uh, oh, what's the bird from Up? You found the skeleton, but they didn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. So I got to bring back the live bird. So. Yeah, it's like, it, it's basically like Up. It's an emu, basically, I think is what it is. Yeah. The Beast of like Paradise Falls. The Beast, yeah. of, which, from my understanding, actually is a real bird species, I think. Um, uh, I think it is an actual bird species. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as big as they made it out and up, but I think it is an actual species, because Paradise Falls is, again, an actual place. Yeah. Um. So, it it very much, science is that way. If you don't have, you know, the actual thing, they're going to call shenanigans on you. Um, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish science was actually very much the, uh, hey, people are saying this thing exists. Let's actually go look for it instead of the, oh, you're seeing this thing? Yeah, it's your imagination. Yeah. Every um, single hunter goes does shrooms before he goes out into the woods. Exactly. They're all out there, you know, pot farmers right. out there testing the product, and next thing you know, they're seeing Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... I can't believe there's a part of me that will probably never believe that that is even a remote idea to things. Um, I don't, I know a lot of guys that when I was a younger man would go do shrooms into stuff and go and then hiking in the woods. None of them ever came back and said, dude, I saw a Sasquatch. No, they would all come back and go, dude, that was such a cool hike. There were some <laughs> blue flowers and they were awesome. You know, they were, Oh dude, I saw a Sasquatch. What was he doing yeah, out there? A, oh, he was smoking a pack of Marlboro Reds and drinking some Colt 45. You know, just, <laughs> that was just a really hairy dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's that was just Billy Bob out his deer stand. It's OK. Don't mind him. Um, <laughs> you know, these I've never met people that went out and did this stuff, but it's it goes along the same lines of. What in Africa you look at, there's so many examples of science d messing this up royally biologists and zoologists messing this up uh you know silverback gorillas they for decades went oh there's no such thing you crazy savages down there in africa don't know what you're talking about and then someone walked in there and went oh my god look at the size of that gorilla <laughs> you know um my favorite one is is in the pacific northwest uh on the olympic peninsula there was a ground squirrel that they said was extinct for like a hundred years and then they found it because somebody happened to go outside at night and they realized this ground squirrel was nocturnal and yep. they'd been looking for it during the day. And you're like, you guys didn't know it was nocturnal the first time you studied it. Um, what's wrong with you? Yeah. 
Well, or, no, it was uh, like the... Archituthis yeah. goes into that category, too. Yeah. Um, Archituthis yeah. is the giant squid, for those who don't know. Um, it was originally discovered and dissected and was put into science journals, and then 20 years after it was discovered, they said it's extinct. And then it went for decades. I remember in the 90s, there was a, a movie on Sci-Fi Channel about giant squids attacking, like, the coast of California or something. And everyone thought it was a funny little joke movie thing. And then they finally went, yeah, the Architeuthis is still alive, guys. And you went, oh, crud. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's like that frog, uh, Arizona? Well, one of those uh, southern Midwest states. But, you know, they said it was, like, uh, extinct for decades as well and then a rain you know like a particularly heavy rain came by during one of the el ninos and they all started popping out of the ground they're like oh i guess it just hibernates <laughs> yeah it it's insane to science really has their priorities wrong and where where they go is they go where the money tells them to go they're not going to come to me and go hey we think your idea for researching uh that sasquatch is a great idea we're going to do it and we're going to do it without getting paid. They're not yeah. going to do that. You yeah, know, if you had, a couple, yeah, if you had mm-hmm. about a, like $500 million, then they might come to you. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, if Elon Musk rolled up to my house and said, here's $2 billion, go find me a Sasquatch money, Elon, I'm on it. But <laughs> otherwise it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd pleasantly put it, it's like you haven't worked in the private sector. I have. They expect results. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's very much results based, and those results have to be what you want them to be. Is the other key thing. Yeah. So there, you know, I know there's a, like a bunch of conspiracy theories of well, the government knows it exists. They're doing everything to keep Sasquatch under the wraps. Uh, out of all the things, I think the government has that they're running behind the scenes. I think hiding a giant you know, part of the homo family here in, you know, in the woods of, well, woods, the plains, the swamps of the United States and North America in general. I I don't think that's going to happen, especially because this, there's apparently variants of this thing all over the place. Uh, Was it, I think it's the Yowie down in Australia. Um, There's the midget one, the Orang Pendek that's in the Philippines or something like that. Um, and then you have, you know, the abominable snowman, the Yeti, you know, Russia's got all these stories of things. So they're all over the place. I don't think the American government is running around trying to hide this. And I don't think there's a one world government trying to hide it. I just think it's that until we have a true tangible source, we'll never actually get the truth. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, that's just, yeah, generally how it is, is like, if you just look at science throughout the history, it's generally regarded as, well, depending on point of view, blasphemy, uh, witch, you know, witchcraft, like was it microbiology was considered witchcraft for the longest time. Uh, <laughs> like, she you turned know, where, me into uh, a newt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, where (laughs) germs were caused by bacteria and everything like that, not bad air, you know, things like that. So it it progresses. It's just that, yeah, science walks that tightrope of being able to keep an open mind, really. 
well, you know, it's whoever's paying you is going to tell you what to do. And yeah, I give it. props to all of the guys that are, you know, the scientists that are shucking conventions and doing their own thing. The, the guys that are out there doing this stuff, props to them. You know, they're not making a whole big living unless they're out writing books constantly. They're out, you know, researching constantly. And I can imagine there's probably the stuff they're doing on the side to help raise money. But a lot of this stuff, I can't imagine they're making tons of money on. So, yeah. without uh, some huge financial backing, it, it's kind of hard to get it going. I mean, I, honestly, I think an expedition would probably take three months, would be my guess. To Minimum. get at least, some, yeah. to get something. Yeah. And like we said earlier, I mean, you go to a spot, um, the Klamath River in, or in uh, California is great for that. I'm sure there's plenty of places in the Cascades up in Washington that'd be perfect around, around like uh, Mount St. Helens, Mount Rainier would be great spots probably. Yeah. Uh, um, Olympics, eh, depending on where in the Olympics, it gets some interesting. Although the Olympics are pretty well hiked, so there's not too much around there. Um, that place I mean, up in uh, British Columbia, the kind of peninsula area in between the, the river and the sound. I forget the well, name of it. Well, if you go... Um, Victoria Island is huge, apparently. A lot of tribesmen say in that area, mm. um, the First Nations tribes up there will say, there's something over there, don't mess with it. Um, yeah, I, I just know that there's like this one little trifecta up there that like bunch of weird stuff and disappearances. Like uh, Missing four, uh, 411 there is uh, does a lot of segments on that area. Yeah, there's, you know, especially around, you know, Rainier up there for Missing 411 has about a bunch of stuff. Um, but there's that also that place that I don't remember where it is. It starts like with an N. Um, it'll come to me after I'm done recording everything. Of but course. they, you know, I've seen several guys go on expeditions there and groups going on expeditions there. And, you know, they keep falling into that same thing of, well, hey, let's keep following this game trail. <laughs> stop following the game trail guys look for that predator trail and that's where you want to set up and you know if yeah. i think and this is where i sit on my plan if i was to ever get the money to do this sort of thing to prove it exists i would go find a spot that i consider perfectly i would research the hell out of it for the first get the topographic maps give me the satellite maps of it walk it gps track the heck out of that whole area mark spots i think would be decent bring it back build a team and not a huge team. I'm not saying I want a 50-man team. It'd be like a four-man team. You know, yeah. somebody, you know, somebody who's good with, you know, monitoring cameras, stuff like that, who will sit at the base camp. A uh, couple people to sit out in uh, tree stands and rock and roll like that. Um, people yeah, you and, and, yeah. and, you know, one person to command and control the whole area. Yeah. But... Uh, you would need at least one person that knows how to blaze a trail, though. Well, blazing trails is kind of easy, but at the same token, once you get to, like, the area in most places, especially if you hit, like, late summer up and you're on a river, you can find a nice little sand bed to get choppered into or something and go mm -hmm. from there. And, you know, you're going to want to build, like, if you can, build a lean-to or something and make that your command headquarters thing. You know, put up... You know, find the predator trail, put your deer stands up there, set up all this stuff around there, then leave. 
leave for like three weeks. Don't touch nothing. Don't even think about coming back. Just leave. And the whole reason for this is, is that get everything in that area used to that stuff being there. Yeah. If it's, if you, you know, set it all up and you sit there with it, ain't nothing coming around. You created all this noise and havoc, done all this stuff. It don't want to be anywhere near you. So leave. Let the natural environment settle back down to all this new stuff. And then on that third week, you know, maybe not get choppered in on that time. Maybe, you know, hike in there. And since everything's used to all that stuff being there, then you can, you know, set up, be quiet, get to the spots and just monitor and watch. Check your trail cams that you set up. Um, even nowadays, you got those Wi-Fi cameras you can set up. Put all those around. And then just sit there for like two, two weeks. And I would have a feeling you're going to get data. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't, I can't tell you whether it's great data or it's going to be the best data of your life, but you're probably going to get something. So that would be my personal plan. I don't know if you have anything you'd want to add to it. No, I'd say that's uh, pretty solid. Uh, yeah, because um, well, I haven't watched two. I I really need to sit down and watch more of them. But you know the uh, explorer guys trying to find things like the documentaries. But the ones I've seen, um, they're probably not the best ones. But it's usually people that you know they're not used to being in the woods. They stick to the trails. They kind of come off as not exactly knowing what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I'd say, uh, get the team together, but I think the entire team at least needs to be used to being in the woods. Um, oh, very much so. Cause I mean, know. I've watched quite a few and they seem skittish to be honest. Yeah. They're like, you know, you, you want the guys that when they're out there and they hear a woodpecker, they're not going to be like, Oh my God, that's wood knocking. Do you hear it? Yeah. Like, so, no, no, that's a, that's a woodpecker, dude. Leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it's like, oh, yeah. And I've seen one where, like, oh, you hear all this stuff and you listen to it. I'm like, it's rutting season, guy, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Look at the time you're out here. It's the ruts going on, dude. That's a couple of deer trying to yeah. beat each other up to get the, the sweet herd of ladies. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very much. Take people who know the area or are very familiar with it or know what it's like to be in the woods. And especially, you know, take someone who's a wilderness EMT with you, you know, and is, mm -hmm. you know, take a team of people that are multiple tasked. Um, expect to be out there. Expect things to not go the way you want it to. Always, you know, I guess the military instilled this in us is a backup for a backup for a backup. You know, yeah. oh, well, the wireless cameras aren't working, so we'll use the trail camera. Well, if the trail camera, all the batteries die, what are we going to do then? We'll bring more batteries, Um, you know. Yeah. How are we going to communicate? Well, we'll use a string and a can for last resort. How about that, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, what happens if we got an emergency? Well, almost all the, you know, high-dollar GPS units now send out a satellite signal that says, oh, my God, come help me, you know. It's, these are things that, you know, you as... Everyone goes, oh, there's so much logistics that going into it. And you go, no, this is simple stuff that most of us who go into the woods on the regular think about. You know, mm -hmm. how am I going to communicate? What happens if I'm injured in the woods? All right, well, I need to have at least a basic understanding of first aid to be able to get myself back out of here. What happens if, 
I get stuck in a spot and I need help and assistance. Well, my GPS unit that I've got will allow me to send texts up to the satellite. And those six people that I said, hey, I'm going out into the woods. Here's the address to check on me. We'll be sitting there and all of a sudden on their Google Earth or whatever, it'll pop up and it'll go, oh, for the love of Pete, send someone to help me. And they'll be like, oh, my God, here's his GPS yeah. location. Go get him, search and rescue. Oh, yeah, so, oh that reminds It's kind of an unrelated story. It reminds me where I was hiking up in the Olympics. I think I told this one to you before. But uh, you know, we were hiking up there. It was me and two other guys. And we were walking along this cliff face. And, you know, it's about a 50, 60 foot drop, just straight drop. And uh, guy in front, he slips and almost goes over the edge. He kind of grabs himself and pulls him back up. And me and the other guy kind of like laugh, look at each other. It was like, it was like first thought that went through our heads was, oh crap. He has the car keys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not a, you know, you, you got to think things that we, you know, take for granted in this modern day, but really are there to help us. And they take care of so many logistics and, you know, oh, well, what are you going to do for food for two weeks? I'm on a river. I'm going to fish. Yeah, bring a fishing pole. <laughs> I'm going to fish. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to set up a trout line. I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm in the woods. I'm going to look for, uh, you know, I, I was raised to go around. Okay, well, here's the mushrooms that aren't going to kill me. Here's, yeah. you know, oh, here's this leaf that if you chew on it, it tastes like uh, Granny Smith apples. Here's this, here's that, yeah. you know. So I'm that's gonna, why I'm I'll gonna, always... I'm, I'll supplement whatever else, you know, I pack in with those freeze-dried foods and MREs, but... Yeah, it's a, yeah no, I'll usually bring a low-caliber pistol for squirrels and rabbits. Yeah, if you bring, like, a twenty-two, I mean, and even myself, personally, if I'm going into the woods, knowing there's bears, mountain lions, all this stuff, I'm probably going to bring a pistol of at least a forty-five. Oh, yeah, um, that's... Yeah, the forty-five is generally for defense because yeah, you're not going to kill a bear or a mountain lion, but you might be able to make them think that you're too much trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know there's guys out there that are going to be like, "Why not a nine mil? There's more ammo in it." Because the amount of times I've seen dude killed a guy a bear with a nine millimeter, and you read it, and he goes, "I had to dump three magazines into that bear." Yeah. Well, if you'd had a forty-five sunshine after the first mag, that bear would have probably thought twice. Yeah, yeah, because the first two magazines of that nine mil just pissed them off. Yeah, that just made it angry, you know. And that goes into that whole oh caliber debate, and I don't want to get into that. That's oh, just no, too much. So. But it's, uh, you know, you hear things like oh yeah, I put a magazine of forty hydroshock into this thing, and it kept running. I mm. would too. Not well, the thing lie. is with a bear too, you know, it's, you could puncture like uh, and hit the heart dead on first shot that bear will still run for another uh, 60 feet or so. Yeah. You aren't going to stop that bear. And if it's towards fall and that bear is nice and fat, good luck on getting anything through that thing. So, but it's very much, it's, it's very much know your environment, know what you expect, know your hazards and plan accordingly. And it's for those of us who plan hiking trips or go camping, it's another day in the life. But I think it's something that a lot of people who are the armchair investigators, if you will, they sit, you know, I'm in, you know, oh, I live in Dallas and this is what I think you should be doing out there in the Rocky Mountains or in the, <laughs> dude, you don't know what we do here in the Rocky Mountains. You know, we're a different breed of beasts. And, you know, I can't say the same thing works over in the Appalachian area. I've lived over there a few times, but I, you know, didn't go, you know, I'm going to go bebopping down the Appalachian Trail here in Maine. You know, I was... 
little at the time. I didn't do it. I didn't think about it. Um, yeah. So what happens in different areas in different parts of the country are always going to be this way. They're going to be different. They're going to have different points of views. You're just going to have to live with it and take it on for whatever it is. But prepping to do this stuff, and I'm not talking like doomsday prepper where I got to have 5,000 rounds of pistol ammo on me at all times. I'm saying plan accordingly, take the proper stuff. And if you think methodically and think like a hunter, think like you're the predator you're more likely to find what you're looking for. It isn't so much about sitting around stealthy, being, oh, super secret squirrel. No one will ever find me up here if I hang out in my little hut. No, it's think like a predator, be stealthy, and patience. These guys who do this expedition of, oh, yeah, I'm going out tonight to look for Sasquatch, come yeah, back in the morning, well, I didn't find nothing, so we're going back yeah, to the city. <laughs> the ones I've seen, the longest they stayed out was maybe a week. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You're not so, going to find anything that way. Yeah, you know, no. you'll take it like this. Field researchers in Africa are out there for months. Yeah. I mean, what was it? Wild America, Marty Stauffer, he said, like, to set up a perfect shot in a blind takes weeks to yeah. even get one, like, to get five minutes of video footage. It takes weeks of setting up a blind, leaving the blind alone. Like sneaking back to the blind, getting in the blind so nothing knows you're there, and then filming and hoping you get catch something. Yeah, it lay there weeks. for yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's a patience game, and it's a thinking game. And I think if we saw a lot more people playing those two games, yeah, I guarantee you, it doesn't make for great footage to upload to YouTube and go, I caught Bigfoot. 17 mm. hours of dudes sitting there drooling. <laughs> it doesn't make great footage, I know. But at the same time, it's that patience that's going to pay off in the end, uh, in, in my view. Not the, I'm going to go out here, trips around the woods, and the spot and stock maneuver, if you will. Because if you're walking down the game trail like all these guys do, you ain't going to spot nothing, but you're going to get stocked. Yeah. So that's that's my two cents on the whole idealism there. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I think for anybody who's made it this far, and uh, if you've got your two cents that you'd like to throw in, let us know what you think. Uh, we'd be interested in hearing other people's thoughts, ideas, or if you got any stories you want to tell us about, you know, what's happened with you out in the woods. Uh, definitely, uh, if you're on our YouTube, you could leave comments below or... Uh, you can probably email us. The email will be in the uh, notes, the show notes. Uh, but I think uh, I think we've had a pretty good discussion for today. We will uh, start wrapping things up here on this end. Uh, do you have any final yeah. thoughts there, buddy? Uh, no, not much. You uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head. Kind of feel the same way. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, if you live in Southern California, I'm sorry. And if you're ever thinking about coming out here... Uh, don't (laughs) all right well uh i think for both of us uh thank you for everybody that's come out and listened to us and hope you all have an amazing day and we will talk to you on the next episode of the wilds of reality